Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Rob, Susan. And we're glad and grateful that he can bring uh, a great word to uh, our children here at the church. It's wonderful. So I'm grateful and I hope you are too. And I'm also grateful. I just want to make one other mention about how you've been giving. I heard this week uh, from Mr. Todd Carley about our building fund. And he said, it's just uh, really doing so well. So thank you all. We're getting near the end of our fiscal year. And so he's looking at things and uh, he said, it's just uh, been over the top because you have been uh, giving to the, the building fund for air conditioning units and we're getting and the heating units especially those are the ones that were really in rough shape they're going to be uh getting installed six six of them real soon here so thank you thank you thank you uh we've been talking about uh for the last couple of weeks knowing jesus and what better topic is there than talking about knowing jesus i don't know that there's any better topic than knowing uh, or talking more about knowing jesus in deeper and more profound ways And to help toward that end, knowing Jesus in a greater depth, uh, we're going to be, for the next several weeks, looking at what Jesus said about himself so that we can get to know him better and deeper. And we're primarily going to be in John's gospel. So if you want to take the time to read the entire gospel of John, that would get you prepared for the next several weeks here. And Mark, look for identify where Jesus says, I am. We're going to be talking about what Jesus claims about himself in those two powerful words put together, I am. And what better way to get to know somebody when they say that about themselves. And so we're going to dive into it. Mr. Rob Susan gave me a great, great lineup This morning, important, an important background to the words we're going to look at this morning, which come from that that account of the patriarch uh, Moses when Almighty God revealed himself to Moses there at that bush that did not burn, although it was full of fire. The fire did not consume the bush, and Moses had many questions, as I presume most of us would. If we stood before a bush that was on fire, but the bush wasn't burning up, we'd probably be asking all kinds of questions, and we probably would do exactly what that bush told us. And it said to Moses, take off your sandals. He did. He, uh, he humbled himself, and he heard the word of God. And then he had some questions. And one, which we heard, again, from Mr. Rob Susan, what's your name? Really, God, if you're going to send me to these people... They're going to ask, who are you? What's your name? And it's recorded in the Old Testament book of Exodus. So I thought I would just let read that brief passage, Exodus 3, verses 13 to 15, where Moses asked this question, and God answered. So Moses said to God, Exodus three thirteen, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, 
I am who I am. Now, I can't do it in that great James Earl Jones voice that uh, Mr. Rob Susan was using, but God said this, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So that's the reference. We heard the great, 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 great grandfathers. These were uh, the, the patriarchs, the fathers who had preceded Moses. And God went on, this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So what, what was happening here? God was declaring something to Moses. He was declaring that he was the self-existent one. I am, in the Hebrew, is the root to the sacred name of God, Jehovah. It's the name of God that in most all of our English language Bibles in the Old Testament, it's rendered capital L-O-R-D, Lord. And it's used over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. Jehovah is what it means. And the, the root is I am. And it's very significant. It's very meaningful. It's the sacred name of God. Now, there came a time in the life of Jesus, because this is who we want to talk about Jesus. There came a time in his life when he referenced back to this name of God, and it really caused quite a stir. It caused a, a, a real uproar. Why? Because it seemed that when Jesus was speaking, he was actually saying that he was God. And the people that were listening to him, they did not like it. It was a very contentious conversation. It's recorded in the Gospel of John, as I've said. Stay there, read through it, read through it a few times. It's in John chapter 8. And John chapter 8 is all about Jesus' identity. And before I get to the passage that I want to read you, and we're going to cover a great deal of John chapter 8. It's a long dialogue, but I think it's worth it to go through all of it and let the Word of God speak to you. I mean, I could tell you the story, but we're just going to use the word of God this morning. But just a brief background, Jesus was in the temple. He was teaching a crowd of people in the temple courts, and he was challenged by a group, that group that challenged him all the time, a group of the hypocritical Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jewish faith. And they challenged Jesus about what he was saying about his father and who his father was. And in response... Jesus pointed out, hey, you Pharisees, you're slaves. And he said, you're slaves to sin. Now, they didn't like this. They did not like this connotation that they were slaves. And so they responded, hey, we've never been slaves. What are you talking about? We're descendants from our great, 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 great grandfather who began this whole nation and his name's Abraham. We are descendants of the patriarch Abraham. We've never been slaves. Now, we're going to pick up the account right there and go through it. And as I said, it's, uh, it's got some details. And John gives us great details in his gospel. We're going to begin at verse 37 in John 8 and go through to the end. 
So John 8, 37, I'm going to read through verse 41 right now. Jesus said, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what you have, I'm telling you what I have seen in the father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Can I stop here for a minute just to say there's a progression going on. And do you notice it? Do you see it? Jesus' detractors, they first claimed Abraham is our father. We're descended from the great patriarch that God uh, pulled out of the land of Chaldea and started this whole nation. Then they went a step further. They claimed God as their father. Now let's see how Jesus, let's see how Jesus deals with this claim that they just made. We continue. John chapter 8, 42, I'll go through 47. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father. And now he lets them know who that father is. The devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Wow. Now you, you just let that sink in for a minute. If that was you who was talking to Jesus and that was his response to you, you probably wouldn't take that as a very nice reply, would you? He was rather direct to these Pharisees. He was rather blunt. You're not listening. I'm telling the truth. But you can't hear. Your father's the devil. Your father's the devil. He's a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning. And no truth in him. If someone said that to you about your dad, even if he wasn't the best of dads, your father was a murderer, a liar, the father of lies. You probably might not like it. So how did they come back? How did they come back at Jesus, John eight forty eight, the Jews answered him, 
aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? That, that's, a, that's a reply that's living right here in the 21st century USA culture. And when someone's lost an argument, when they're defeated, when they don't know what to say, they can't come back, the truth is right there before them. They know it's the truth. What's the response? What's the, it's a personal attack. A straight personal attack. And they get racial. You're a Samaritan. Now, if you were listening on Wednesday, uh, you heard Pastor Julie talk a little bit about the Jews and the Samaritans and how the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. They were ethnically different. The Jews saw the Samaritans as half-breeds and idol worshipers, and they despised them. And she, she told us how the road from Galilee down to Judea, it was a straight shot through Samaria. But the Jews would go miles around because they hated the Samaritans. They didn't want nothing to do with them. There was this ethnic tension, uh, racism. And this is the best these detractors of Jesus could do. They could hurl a racial slur at him and accuse him of being demon-possessed. That's what they had. And Jesus responded. He didn't even dignify the racial stuff. And that's probably good advice. That's probably a good model for us. But he wasn't going to let the accusation of demon possession stand. So he responded. John 8, 49, I'm going through 57. Jesus said, I'm not possessed by a demon. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself. But there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say, whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not 50 years old, they said to him. And you've seen Abraham? Are you feeling the tension here? Are you feeling this, this contentious back and forth? Jesus has claimed he's the entryway to eternal life. Obey my word. Obey my word. You're not going to taste death. Abraham. That name comes up again. They keep going back to this, this father of the entire nation. Jesus, you think you're greater than Abraham? Who do you think you are? But Jesus plainly put it. 
He plainly put it. My father is the one you claim is God. You don't even know him. Abraham, on the other hand, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. Now seriously, for Jesus to have known Abraham, he would have had to have been 2,000 plus years old, right? This is the way they're, this is the way they're taking it, those that are listening to him. And they called him out. You're not even 50. At this point, Jesus had, has made some, some pretty direct claims. I've come from above. I've been sent by my father. My father is God, who you Jewish people claim as God. You Jewish leaders, you Pharisees claim as God, the God of Abraham. And Jesus claimed, I'm the way to free, free you from death. He was the access to eternal life. This is what he's saying. But these Pharisees refused to hear it. They refused to believe. They've, rev- they've leveled racial hate at Jesus. They've leveled spiritual hate at him. And then they say, you, you couldn't have known Abraham, you, you're, you ain't even 50 years old. And here's the conclusion. Here's the conclusion. John 8, 58 and 59. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. After all the back and forth, after all the contention, Jesus responded with the most direct, the most clear declaration of who he is. And they they could make no mistake about it. There was no way they were going to misinterpret this. He had said he'd come from God, that God was his father. And then, plain as day, he declared that he was God. Now, it might not be so clear to us. We might have read through that passage and just kept on reading. And it might not have hit us so square in the face like it hit those Pharisees that were arguing with Jesus. We're 2,000 years past the first century. We're 2,000 years past first century Judaism where there was a temple in Jerusalem and the people would come in to worship in the temple and the Pharisees and the Sadducees had this Sanhedrin council and they, they ruled over all the aspects of the religion. That, that all went away in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was destroyed. And the whole, the whole Jewish faith changed. So we're 2,000 years outside of that. Maybe it's not so clear to us. But to the ones that were arguing with Jesus, these hypocritical leaders, they had all form, they had all form, they had no substance, these leaders. They knew exactly, they knew precisely what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, I pre-existed. I pre-existed. I was before Abraham. Abraham, the father of the Hebrew people. 
I pre-existed. I'm claiming the sacred name of Almighty God. The same God who had revealed himself to Moses. Jesus claimed to be the I am. The almighty God who appeared as fire in that bush that did not burn. Jesus was telling him, I'm the same one who was talking to Moses. I'm the one who said, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. He was the one telling Moses this. Now, we know that Jesus' detractors took him seriously. This passage has been much debated. Was Jesus really saying that he was God? Well, you, you get a real sense of how those who were listening to him took the seriousness of what he was saying. How they understood that he was precisely saying, I am God. We know that they received this that way because they immediately responded. They didn't hesitate. They immediately responded by attempting to stone him to death for blasphemy. Now that's not some mild response like, hey, this guy's a kook. He's just a nut and he doesn't even know what he's talking about. No, they were incensed. They were angry that this man would stand up and say, I'm God. I am God Almighty. He claimed the sacred name of God and he was sincere about it. He was serious about it. And the only punishment that they saw fit for a man who had claimed to be God, who they didn't believe that at all, was to stone him to death. Because to them, that was blasphemy. And it stopped them. It stopped them from believing in Jesus. Because he claimed to be divine. And Jesus' claim on divinity, it's been a stumbling block. For so many, for so long. Yeah, some will concede Jesus existed. Yeah, he, he existed. He was a good teacher. He was a wise philosopher. He had a lot of good advice about living. But when it comes to seeing him as God, uh-uh. Nope. Hey, that's where it ends. You're, you're going too far. Because to see Jesus, to see Jesus as God, to receive him as God, that changes everything. It changes everything. It means this. It means all those difficult passages, all those difficult sayings of Jesus, the ones about hell, or the ones about eternal damnation, the ones about the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. We're, the, the, the words that Jesus says, I am the way. Or when Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Or remember, he said, unless you repent, unless you repent, you too will perish. Or how about this? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. These are all the words of Jesus. And you know, if Jesus is just a teacher, if he's just a rabbi, if he's just a philosopher, it's easy to dismiss those, those sayings that we don't like. They're just too difficult. They're too hard. Eternal damnation. Oh, he was having a bad day. No, we're not, we're not receiving that. But they cannot be ignored. They cannot be ignored when Jesus is God. They're true. They're true. They have divine backing. And Jesus is God. Causes some who get so close. They get so close. To receive him as God. That's it. That's when they stumble and fall away. 
And then there's others that get so incensed and so angry. Like those Pharisees, they just want to wipe out Jesus. They want to wipe him out altogether. And that's been tried. And as much as it's been tried, it's never going to happen. Jesus will always prevail. He always does. He always will. He will prevail. He, he will. And I, I have a question. Does he prevail? Does Jesus prevail in your heart? Does he prevail in your heart? In your heart, is Jesus more than a rabbi? Is he more than a teacher? Is he beyond the great philosopher with words for living and all of that? If you're going to make a real, authentic connection with Jesus, if you desire to receive what he has to offer, which he pointed out to these Pharisees, that's eternal life. you got to settle this first. Jesus is God. And if that's not settled in your heart, you're not going to know Jesus. You're really not going to know the true Jesus. You can study about him all day long. Yes, every day, all day. You can learn facts and details. You can write volumes. I've read volumes by authors. They know vast amounts about Jesus. But they fall short. They fall short because they do not know Jesus. They do not recognize him. They will not point him out and call him God Almighty. They don't know him as God, but he's God. He is God, and he must be God. He must be God to you. He must be God in your heart. You know, last week we heard from, uh, we heard from Brother Barry, uh, our pastor, Barry, our, our care pastor, and he said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He was talking about the love of God, and use this example. If God had a refrigerator, yeah, we, we use our refrigerators are full of magnets and pictures of our loved ones, at least... Uh, you know, I know we used to, we used to use these things like our wallets too, you know, we drop out a whole bunch of pictures, nothing falls out of mine anymore. Although I do have one, I have one picture in my wallet. When anyone asks me for my ID, I show them this. And I've slipped in this great picture of my wife, Julie. She's beautiful and much better looking than me. So that's who they get to look at when they ask for my ID. Also got the cell phone, right? So my, my our, our, Fridge isn't as much covered with uh, photos as our cell phones might be. So now what, what happens when I turn on my cell phone? I got grandbabies up there, right? So that's, that's, what, I, that's what I like. And uh, I got a great text today, too. See, we're now we're, we're, we're allowed to do that since we're, we're a digital church. And there's, there's a... My grandbabies, they're laying down with their hands raised up looking at the service. So that's great. See, it's, it's, and I'll put that on my phone. Now that'll become my wallpaper. That's what we do, right? For the ones we love. And that was a great example last week. This is how we, so if God had a fridge or a cell phone, you know, our photos would be there. But I want to turn that example around this morning. You got the refrigerator in your heart, the refrigerator door, you know, the cell phone wallpaper, the wallet, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? Whatever's there on the door of your heart, where you display what you love, where, where what should be, what you love should be right there at the front door of your heart. Is it Jesus? Is Jesus there? Then you might say, yeah, it is. It's Jesus. He's there. Is it Jesus the teacher? 
Is it Jesus the rabbi? Is it Jesus the philosopher? Is it Jesus the kind and gentle uh, person who had great words of advice for living? Or is it God? Is it Jesus, God Almighty? Is it Jesus, God Almighty? Emblazoned on the front of your heart, is it Jesus? Is Jesus the center of it all? Jesus, God, for your eternity to be sealed, for your eternity to be secured. It must be Jesus divine. It must be the King of kings and the Lord of lords there on the front of your heart. Hear his word this morning. Hear his word. Obey his word. And you'll never taste death. But he's God. It's got to be God. Like he said to Abraham, uh, about Abraham. Jesus can say about each one of us. Before you were, I am. Before you were, I am God. I am God. Jesus is the Lord. We need to see him as that every day, every single day. If not, we're going to stumble and we'll fall away. Jesus is God. And I don't know if there's anyone in here, anyone listening to me this morning, we, you, you might say, yeah, I know Jesus. He's the teacher. He's the great philosopher, but he isn't God. It's got to be God. Make him God this morning. If there's anyone here, too, if you need any prayer, anything. You know, the second Sundays of the month, they've been our time where we'd open these altars. And, you know, we're just not ready to do that yet. We can't do that. But if you have a need of prayer, physical, spiritual, financial, whatever it is, whatever it is, I want to pray for you before we leave this morning. And if you need to know Jesus as God, that's the most important. That is the most important. If you don't see Jesus Christ as God Almighty, you need that. You need to be prayed about that this morning. Don't don't be shy. Anyone who has a need, just stand in the house and we're going to close in prayer and ask Jesus, I am God Almighty, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, gateway to eternal life to bless you and to, to touch you and to help you with your need. And we're going to pray too that we can look forward to the day where we're back here at the altars. You can be anointed with oil by the elders and we don't have to worry about distancing and all of that. God, God Almighty, I am Jesus. We come to you in that great name. I am. Thou art the self-existent one. You were before all of us. You created all of us. Thank you for that, God. If there's anyone in this room that struggled with seeing Jesus as Lord, as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the I am God, the sacred one, the holy one, the living almighty God. Lord, I just pray, God, you would break down those the, the covering of the heart, the hardness, Lord, open that heart to receive Jesus as God. Lord, our lives will be changed and altered forever when we see you as God Almighty, caretaker of everything, gateway 
to eternal life. Thank you, God. Minister to those hearts. And Lord, for any, for any in this room, God, as I raise my hands and stretch them out, Lord, I know it falls short of hands being laid, anointing with oil. But God, I just pray a supernatural, spiritual anointing of the Holy Spirit upon everyone who has a need, everyone who has a hand raised for a need, whatever their need, God, if they had desired to come to these altars this morning, bless them, help them. God, touch them by the power that's divine and in only you. And we acknowledge you as the only, the only God, the only God that can touch, that can heal, that can deliver. So God, heal, deliver this morning. Send your Holy Spirit to comfort those who need comfort. Lift those who need to be lifted. Wrap your arms around those who need to be carried. Be their strong tower and their refuge and their strength. God, for those who need a physical healing, may that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead quicken their mortal bodies. God, and give them a a good divine healing touch. Lord, for provision for those who might be worried or frightened or afraid because their jobs have just not been there. God, meet every need. Lord, show them your power. Show them your might. Show them the great I am. Oh, God, we commit it all into your hands. And we say thank you. Thank you, thank you. We're grateful. We're grateful that you revealed your divinity in your son, Jesus. And we receive him as the I am, almighty God. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In his name, his powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.